Welcome to Wrestling With Lunch, the only podcast featuring a hot meal and even hotter takes on everything pro wrestling. I'm your host, Andrew, alongside good friend and co-host, Rob. On the menu today are some delicious-looking homemade fajitas and a fresh review of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Dominion 2019. We don't want to bore you with the pleasantries, so we're going to skip our origin stories, and we hope you'll get to know us through the show. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about Wrestling With Lunch and get all the up-to-date news and opinions on pro wrestling, follow us on Instagram at Wrestling With Lunch. Now, without further ado, Rob, take it away with the beginning of our review on Dominion 2019. New Japan Pro Wrestling presented their yearly Dominion show. It's the second biggest show of the year for New Japan and the one that basically acts as an intro for a lot of New Japan fans who are trying to jump into the promotion and get a fresh start. And you have Chris Jericho versus Kazuchika Okada in the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship of the World. Andrew, overall, (laughs) what are your thoughts on Dominion? It was a good time. Uh, you know, we're watching what we'll, we'll, we'll get into a little bit later, but we'll, we watched Dominion, what, two days after we watched WWE Super Showdown. Yes. So uh, it's, it's a lot easier to enjoy good wrestling um, after really bad wrestling. And that's a little spoiler for our thoughts on that show. Um, I thought it was fine. There's a lot that came out of it that wasn't very New Japan-esque, sure. if you will. Um, it really, I'm not going to lie, by the end of it, and I think even today, like, removing myself from the show for about 12 hours, I, I do feel like the show didn't feel like a New Japan show for a few reasons. Um, and we'll get into those, and some of those aren't necessarily the worst thing in the world, but there's definitely a lot of conflicting thoughts on it uh, out there on mm-hmm. the internet from people who saw the show. So I, I, when we break this show down, which we'll do here in a second, I think, you know, it's just a weird show. <laughs> it, it really was. I think the show, it just builds very weird. It's not, um, New Japan has, you know, I'd say one of their best skills New Japan has is to be able to build their show from, you know, the start to the finish and each thing feel better than the last, or at least, you know, like it's increasing in quality throughout the night. And this show had a weird vibe um, where theoretically the matches should have gotten better, but uh, I'd say that some were better than the other. I think when you hedge your bets on building to the main event, you sort of rely on the main event really sticking the landing. And you have Mm -hmm. critics for the past two or three years. Every Dominion, every New Japan show kind of has like a five-star floor that is unattainable 100% of the time. So when you don't get there, it comes off as awkward. And when you book Chris Jericho Mm -hmm. in your main event... In 2019, expecting five stars is sort of a reach. Of course. Um, And and I'd I'd argue that, you know, I'd say it wasn't just that the the match didn't read five stars, reach five stars. And, you know, we'll we'll get to our specific thoughts on that match. Mm -hmm. But they they took some chances uh, last night or rather yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, in the wee hours of of Sunday morning. (laughs) They took some chances. I thought that some of them really paid off. I thought that. Uh, I think that some people are overreacting to some of the decisions they made. But overall, uh, Dominion was, I'd say, a pretty good time. And, you know, let's get into the the, the matches one by one and we'll really hammer down right. our thoughts. Uh, so kicking off the show, we had John Moxley, United States champion, taking on Young Lion Shota Umino. John Moxley wins with the uh, with the Dirty Deeds, which they refer to as the Death Rider. I'm like is that correct? 90% sure that... It is called the Death Rider because he said it four or five times. He, I don't know right. if he was just getting in that repetition of the nickname or if it's officially the Death Rider, mm-hmm. but we'll call it Dirty Deeds slash Death Rider for now. So he wins with the Dirty Deeds slash Death Rider. Uh, pretty, I mean, you know, what you expected from the opening match. Uh, Shota does get a few chances to shine. He kicks off the match with uh, Tope over the top rope onto John. Yeah, and so. Cool. Moxley goes in, he does his thing, uh, he wins the match. The most notable part of this entire sequence was, A, John Moxley carrying uh, Shota off and taking him backstage and almost just adopting uh, Shota to himself as his own little <laughs> young lion. 
And also, John Moxley announces after the match that he is entering the G1 Climax. Rob, your thoughts? That's, that's a big commitment in the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. That, that was the first thing that immediately jumped out to me, is just how big of a commitment that's going to be between right. New Japan and AEW. I keep hearing that there's no working relationship, that there's no collusion, but it certainly <clears throat> seems... Like, there has to be going forward. I mean, Jericho's working New Japan regularly. He's just shot an angle with Tanahashi and Okada. And Moxley's Mm -hmm. doing the G1. It just seems like there's more of a relationship than they're letting on. Yeah, I think that New Japan might be trying to save face a little bit by saying that they're not working with AEW in this weird way. And I sort of understand it. You know, you had these are your top Mm -hmm. guys, essentially, that, that left. Um I mean, you take the Bucks who ran that tag division, whether it was the junior or the heavyweights, for so many years. Um, you take away Kenny Omega, who you guys threw all your stock in. So I think they are keeping it you know, a little bit on the down low, them working with uh, AEW. But in my opinion, it's in the best interest of both companies to work together. And Moxley joining the G1 is awesome. It, 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 anything that continues to uh, assure that John Moxley is not mm-hmm. going anywhere and he's not burned out from wrestling... Yeah. is awesome and moxley you know when when moxley said he was leaving wwe there were a lot of rumors there were a lot of questions on what he was going to be doing um because he's a very quiet guy and i don't think anybody would have been too surprised if moxley left wwe and said either a i want to take a year off or b i'm not really going to do mm-hmm. this anymore and instead we're getting the most john moxley that we could be possibly be getting right now really all you can handle quite frankly this is the guy that for three years straight was the wrestler who did the most matches in WWE, right? 14, 15, yeah. 16, nobody wrestled more matches than he did. And to see him right. as the big, he's the biggest he's ever been in his career right now. And to mm-hmm. see him put that work in continuously, even with his name value and not sort of rest on his laurels in any way is kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd say for AEW, when you look at it, um, the only the only fear of you know the only possible downside of John Moxley doing the G one is is the possibility of an injury. Other than that, John Moxley continuing to wrestle and undoubtedly put on some awesome matches here this summer, uh, which will then lead right into AEW's weekly television and right into All Out and you know basically transition yeah. seamlessly. It, it can only help uh, AEW. The biggest reason that John Moxley is signing was such a big deal is because he had been just wrestling in WWE and main eventing Raws and showing up on pay-per-views. So for this guy to continue to make himself relevant and not, you know, fade out of anybody's mind is a huge deal for AEW. It can only help them barring any for injury. Sure. Uh, so as far as the match rating goes, I mean, it, it, you know, it is what it is. I'll give it a two. It's the opening match, and it was mostly just a put over for John I don't Moxley. even feel like it needs a rating. It's, it's a put-over yeah. match. It goes like five minutes. Uh, next up on the show, as I eat my Reuben, I think eating noises will be really just key to this show. <laughs> Everyone will get to know the Cross inside of our mouths. With the, uh, <laughs> um, is that community? The ASMR community? Aren't they into chewing? Oh, right. Yeah, maybe people will just watch this and be like, I don't even like wrestling, but... <laughs> Every once in a while, you can hear him chew on their Reuben sandwich. Oh, God, that's disgusting. <laughs> the second match on the card is a special singles match, Shingo Takagi versus Satoshi Kojima. And these two just beat the shit out of each other in the second match of the night with nothing on the line, and it was grand. It was amazing. This is sort of, you know, one of the many reasons that we'll get to of why this show just had a different feeling than, than I, you know, a lot of New Japan shows have felt. I almost, the, what this match benefited for me it, right away was that, you know, we had just seen Shingo and Osprey's instant right. classic uh, not even a week ago. So, you know, the minute Shingo came out for a singles match, I was intrigued. But, but you are uh, almost conditioned by New Japan to not necessarily disregard the first two to three matches, but... They, they're they're meant to be able to take a load off and you know ease into the show and there was no easing into anything and i am not complaining at i all thought it was great two. they definitely had a it was almost like a unspoken pact that they were going to do something special on the second match of the card mm-hmm. 
and it didn't go very long either. I don't have the exact figure, but it was definitely like in and around 10 minutes. And I'd say, uh, you know, to, to bounce off of what you're saying about them having a special pact almost, Kojima definitely deserves a lot of credit for not only strongly putting over Shingo here, because obviously that was another point of this match was to put over Shingo, but he showed up to work and he, you know, they had spots, they had a story they were telling uh, Kojima, you know, they had a few spots in there where it just got really mm-hmm. brutal. Shingo, one of my big takeaways from this match and just the past few matches of Shingo uh, is his improvement in everything non-wrestling, right? We've, I mean, if you've been watching Shingo for any time in the past six months to the past year, you know that the guy mm. can work. But uh, specifically in his match with Osprey, and then even in this one, just his his playing up to you know the the the, the cheap seats, if you will, the mannerisms outside of his mm-hmm. wrestling, it, it's only getting better. And I think that that's the one thing that if I had watched a Shingo match a year ago and then watched one now, that's the biggest takeaway I'd have from watching. He's a his superstar, matches. just in presentation mm-hmm. and everything that goes along with it he's amazing like we like we said there were great spots particularly shingo connects with a death valley driver on the apron of the ring mm-hmm. and kojima toward the finish they're just trading bombs and kojima takes the he takes the pumping bomber and the made in japan before finally getting pinned by the last dragon finish so he looks right. pretty strong even in even in the loss, it, it showed that Kojima's not quite ready to go away. The final stretch was awesome. Uh, Shingo hits three moves in a row that all look great, but also just he, he with such intensity, mm-hmm. you know, in that last stretch, it looked like he was instead of playing up that he was bouncing off of the match with Osprey uh, as slower, you know, instead of playing it up that he's a little hurt and that he's slower. Instead, to me, it came off as Shingo was coming in with the same intensity. Yeah. And that he hadn't lost any, you know, intensity from the last time he wrestled, which was only a few short days ago. It was just another day on the job. And then uh, right after the match, Shingo announces that he's also joining the G1. (laughs) I instantly was, you know, we were joking that everyone was going to do it on that night. A lot of people did do it, but it only took two guys to announce besides the people that we already know are going to be in it. But this is already shaping up to be one of the most stacked G1s ever. It's a diverse field for sure. A lot of dream matches are going to come from it. Some fucking awesome ones, actually. So the match was awesome. It blew me away that this match uh, was number two and just honestly was my, you know, a little spoiler here, was my favorite match within like the next six Mm -hmm. matches. Uh, Maybe even in my top three of the night, I gave it a 3.5, which for the second match of the night, I thought was pretty great. I gave it a three and a half stars and I would recommend it. The third match of the night, Yoshihashi and Jushin Thunder Liger team up to take on Suzuki Gun, the team of Minoru Suzuki and... Zack Sabre Jr. Who have never uh, had a conversation. The most note, <laughs> yeah, that, that was our that was our conversation. To we were wondering if these two have ever actually spoken to each other. That being ZSJ and Minoru Suzuki, and it's very possible that they haven't ever actually had a conversation, which makes it only more impressive the way they are able Tag to work continuity. together. The best thing that came out of this match was us uh, pretty much saying that Yoshihashi was the worst wrestler yeah. in the world. Right before Yoshihashi picked up the pinfall <laughs> victory over Zack Sabre Jr. We deal a lot in like hyperbole. Like Yoshihashi is not mm. the worst wrestler in the world. We just don't like Yoshihashi very not. much. And his ridiculous uh, red tape on his back. That... <laughs> the only, only the second most ridiculous tape spot of the more night. On that, way. More on that later on. <laughs> just a teaser. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, he is what he is. I, I still take, you know, I'm not going to say that I that Yoshihashi is actually the worst ever, but I am going to say that, <laughs> that would, if, if... That'd be insane. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I just, I'm leading. I'm building to me <laughs> saying it. Um, I am going to say that if they are building towards Zack Sabre Jr. and Yoshihashi at the UK show, um, then that's a letdown. You know, Zack Sabre Jr. obviously deserves, in my opinion, a, a high-profile match at that show. If... You know, he's a, he's a big name in UK. Um, and not only that, he's a big name in New Japan at this point. I mean, he, he's had, he has huge wins under his belt. And I just don't think a match against Yoshihashi in UK will do justice. Unless it's going to be a straight squash just to get Zack Sabre Jr. over in front of the crowd. But you still want to do a little bit more. Because it is the Rev Pro title mm-hmm. in the UK. And there's no way mm-hmm. that main events. 
not a not a chance that Yoshihashi versus Saber no. closes the show. I'll, I'll, I'll revolt. It's very low effort to set up a mm-hmm. title match, but it's it is what it is. The funny thing is, I actually my first thought after it was I rather see Saber versus Liger for the title in oh, UK. Sure. If if for no other reason because Liger is on his retirement tour. <laughs> so yeah, the match was pretty shit. Not gonna <laughs> lie, it um it, it 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 slowed down right before the finish, which is never the right thing. Uh, I gave the match a two. Um, I was a little bit more generous. I gave it two and a half because I think that the tag team continuity between Suzuki and Saber is always fun to watch. I know I. Mm-hmm talk a lot of shit about walk and punch on the outside like bully ray style shenanigans but suzuki manages mm-hmm. to make it like slightly entertaining you know when he's taking the guardrail and slamming guys into right. it and assaulting young lions it's it's timeless in a way right but i hate the finish yep. coolest spot it. of the whole match was when yoshihashi was getting his shit kicked in and Jushin mm-hmm. Liger comes in and smacks him in the face and <laughs> tells him to, yeah, yeah to wake and up. It and... works. So <laughs> yeah, the story of the match is that Liger slapped Yoshihashi to victory, and it led him to a Rev Pro title match. The next contest of the evening, I think this is the fourth match, is the Never Open Weight mm-hmm. Six Man Tag Team Championships. The reigning champions, Juice Robinson. Taguchi and Hiroshi Tanahashi take on Taiji Ishimori, Chase Owens, and Jay White in the sloppiest six-man tag team match you'll see all year long, probably. Yeah, the instant takeaway for me is that this was uh, the rarest of bad matches on a lot of which should be put on Hiroshi Tanahashi, and that is not something that is thrown around lightly. Um Six mans are six mans, especially in New Japan. A lot of them, it's very obvious that, you know, they're calling it in the ring. And that's half the time what's most impressive about the matches, in my opinion. Um, This one, for whatever reason, just didn't work. Tanahashi was having a rough stretch at the end. He looked Mm -hmm. slow. They were working an angle where he was having an arm injury. But that that angle, either Art was imitating life and... um, and he actually had an injury yep. or, you know, the, the angle just kind of got in the way and it, lo- it led to a few botches here and there. But pretty much the last two minutes, uh, the whole stretch, the final stretch was pretty much yeah, a botch. God awful. It looked like everybody was doing their own thing throughout the whole match. Everybody had like a separate <clears throat> agenda. Juice was trying yeah. to get over his loss to Moxley. So he was psychologically almost disinterested in the whole thing. Taguchi mm-hmm. was trying to hit people with his ass, and that of course. ended up getting no payoff. Two misses, no final hit, so he didn't even come out strong at all. I mean, it's, it is Taguchi, so right. it's a shit. But Taiji Ishimori right. did nothing at all, I don't think. Which was a shame. Chase Owens had way more spots, way more spotlight than just about anybody yeah. in this match, first of all, which was a shocker. Chase Owens held the match he's the down only one in the condition um, to wrestle i guess i guess yeah he's the only one who hasn't been working his ass off but at the same time taji ishimori is awesome and yeah you're right he wrestled for about 30 seconds mm-hmm. it felt like i'm pretty sure he might be injured i'm not 100 percent on that but well from watching that it would make I a lot of surprised. sense it make more sense i'd say the best part of this match you know even though everyone was doing their own thing the best part of this match by far was juice yeah. for me um I'm just really invested in what he's got going on right now. And Juice Robinson is very good at making people invested in what he has going on. Uh, Just the look on him. I think we even mentioned that he just had a very real way of showing, you know, his disappointment in his match with Moxley, his disappointment with everything that's going on. And it wasn't to come out there and be like a sourpuss. It was to go out there and like try and just, you know, put on a brave face and wrestle. Definitely. And he was the only one that came very... out of this unscathed entirely. It is what it is. Uh, it wasn't the worst match on the night, but it definitely wasn't the best. I gave it slightly better than the last one, so I gave it a 2.25. Wow, I thought this was the worst match of the night. I gave, <laughs> I gave this uh, one and three quarter stars. It was really bad. Up next in the card, we had the never open weight championship match between champion Tai Chi and opponent... Uh, tomorrow Ishii uh, this one it, we didn't know what to expect coming in 
it was a weird match that was called, in my opinion, different than what was happening in the ring. The story that was being sold on commentary, in my opinion, yeah. was that Tai Chi was, you know, turning it on for Ishii, that he's coming out here and Tai Chi, who usually is lackadaisical and doesn't give a fuck, was giving more fucks than usual in the ring. <laughs> mildly. And, the most mild. From, right. Of turn From everything that we were watching, I just felt that that wasn't true. And by the end of it, Ishii, who, you know, I adore, who is a workhorse somehow still in the ring, uh, pretty much kicks his ass in the final stretch and takes the title for the fifth time, a record fifth time yep. in his career. It was slow. It was very slow, but the action was solid. They, they laid into each mm-hmm. other when they were doing that. I think the match is mm-hmm. held together by the legitimacy that they both brought to the table because when Tai Chi was giving out to Ishii, it did look good. And when Ishii started giving out to Tai Chi, it looked really good. And Tai Chi, at yeah, one I point, agree. he had an awesome last ride where he just, like, mm-hmm. fucking nails Ishii, and that got a really good near fall. So I think, in retrospect, this match is a little bit better than when I watched it live, but it's still mm-hmm. just okay. I, I think, uh, you know, I have the problem that I have with most Tai Chi matches, which is, it, the the beginning is so slow and it's kind of his thing, but at the same time, it, anytime you watch it, it doesn't feel like the thing <laughs> that he's trying to do. It doesn't feel like Naito when he starts the match and he makes his opponent mm. wait for him taking off his shirt and his, you know, his dress pants. It doesn't feel like a heel tactic as much as it just feels um, unenergetic, unimportant. Bloated. Yeah, and the match... The match is always going to suffer, at least in the early going. I agree with you that this final stretch picked up. Um, Ishii did his thing. Taichi took the fall. And, and, and it was a good final stretch. And the right guy won, in my opinion. I, I think getting the title back on Ishii mm-hmm. is the right move. Um, but, yeah, I just think that Taichi matches, especially singles matches, half the time, more than half the time, suffer in the early going because of just the slowness to it. I, I think there's better guys than Taichi that should be in singles matches on big shows. And you have a lot of guys Japan does right now. Watching this show and thinking about it afterwards, you know, we talk about the amount of guys that WWE has, but New Japan has a lot of talent mm-hmm. right now. And um, I'm hoping that we, we move into an Ishii and, um, and Shingo feud. I think that's probably what's going to happen after the G1, and that will probably be amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be something special. So I gave uh, I gave the match a two point seven five, and I thought I was being generous at the time. I bounced between two point five and two point seven five. I'll, I'll land on two point seven five again. The final stretch was great, and I love Ishii. So I, I was uh, a little bit more generous. I gave it a three and a quarter. Yeah, much more generous. <laughs> yeah, I think that you can. I can recommend this match without feeling too bad about myself. Honestly, so mm-hmm. this is the second match of the night that I would recommend. Above the Shingo and uh, Kojima match, and then you know this never title match. Right, it's not too long. You're not going to hate yourself watching it. Maybe skip the entrances. No. The sixth match of the night is for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. The Gorillas of Destiny defend their tag team belts against Evil and Sonata, and the Gorillas of Destiny retain with the most anticlimactic roll up of the evening. The second most anticlimactic roll-up of the evening, excuse me. <laughs> I was yeah. going to stop you. <laughs> Tama Tonga gets a weak handful of tights to put away evil in the closing stretch. The, the biggest takeaway I had from here is that, you know, every, every company, it feels like, is struggling a little bit with their tag division, with, I guess, the exception of AEW, but, you know, they haven't right. started. Um, and... New Japan baffles me because I feel like they have more talent available in the tag division or just in the company available for tag team wrestling. Um, I'll get a little bit more into that later, but the the match, first of all, it wasn't bad at all. And it it had there, there, the four guys know how to work. Evil and Sonata are always Mm -hmm. on God is very good at what they do. And um, it just, yeah, the finish really brought it down. And it's another example tonight on this weird show where the match does not peak at the end, which is which is the New Japan mm-hmm. style, you know, to their credit. New Japan 
sets their people up to sets their viewers up to expect the match to peak at the very end and then the match ends and you feel satisfied and this was just another example on the night that the match finished really weird and really odd and so it left you thinking that the match was a little worse than it yeah, probably was because the build up to the finish is pretty okay you have as kevin mm-hmm. kelly called him the master heater Jado on the outside getting involved with his kendo stick and you know the payoff to that is he gets tossed in the ring bushi comes out mm-hmm. puts him in blackface with the mist and you know <laughs> you're all in you're all into it you're like oh god evil and sonata they're gonna pull this one out and then they don't then, then it, it just ends. ends and from a purely um you know wins and losses standpoint i thought that in my opinion, the right finish here would have been to go with Evil and Sonata, if for no other reason to create this dynamic of uh, G.O.D. having only the ROH tag yeah. titles. Um, you know, they're they're playing this, if you can call it a story, yeah. um, this storyline where they hate the ROH tag titles. Um, and, uh, you know, say what you want about ROH, but if you can create anything out of that, it, this would be the thing to do which is leave them only with those tag titles. Therefore, they become immensely more important to them. And it almost fits the G.O.D. character to all of a sudden be like, actually, these titles are a pretty big deal. And fuck y'all. And look at the belts we got. I just thought Evil Sonata and Sonata could benefit a little bit more. But then again, they'll probably both be in the G1. And, uh, you know, they'll they'll go into singles action again. It's their yearly turn to be singles guys. They do the same thing pretty much every year. They're, like, stuck mm-hmm. in a time loop, basically. Again, the match was fine. Uh, Evil and Sonata are really good. They're just really good. And I'm, I think I, every time I watch them, I'm in for mm-hmm. them winning, no matter if that's singles or tag action. Um, that being said, it, my biggest problem isn't going to be the finish. It was just going to – or, you know, who won, rather. It is going to be how the yeah. finish happened. That, that being said, the match was fine. I gave it a 3.25. Um, it – was immensely better than the other tag match on this card. <laughs> so it had that going I'll give it three it. stars. I think the Evil and uh, Sonata are strangely good at playing baby faces. And it's, it mm-hmm. always catches me off guard. Because it doesn't seem like they would be, but they always pull it out. They don't look like they yeah. would be. Sonata, in my opinion, Evil, Evil, Evil's awesome. Sonata, in my opinion, um, it, it, he just has that... that it factor about being able to really play a baby face you know he just really plays to the crowd he really revs up everything he's going to do and then evil bounces off that so perfectly with his character that the two are it's really hard not to cheer for them uh so next on the show it wasn't a match it was uh the shock of the night well one of them anyway uh kenta returns to japan and makes his debut his debut his debut his debut Kenta makes his debut at uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling alongside Shibata, who introduces himself uh, and introduces himself, who introduces Kenta. Uh, and Kenta immediately just says he's entering the G1. Another example of, you know, why this is, might be the most stacked G1 ever. Uh, there's not a lot to talk about here. It's pretty black and white, but it, 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 it was a shock on the night, mostly because I had forgotten that Kenta had even left WWE. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. It was... It was the quietest release of, of, you know, this year so far. Almost intentionally so. It's, it's like they wanted it to be as quiet as possible and just hoped mm-hmm. that he would fade away into complete obscurity. And I guess him wanting to do something right out of the box is just trying to keep his name out there, trying to show that he can still hang after all these surgeries and that he still has something to offer. And I, I really hope... That he does. It's a it's a pretty shocking and daunting task to go straight from several injuries injuries right to mm-hmm. the G one, um, especially if there's 24 guys in it now. He he's going to be wrestling a lot of guys in a lot of days, and um, it's it's a risk on New Japan's part. Quite frankly, uh, that's the thing that came out of this to me more than anything is you know New Japan taking that risk on this guy who, quite frankly, we don't know if he's wrestled 24 matches in a row in the past, you know what I mean? Without injury in the past five years, it feels like, so, that. you know, yeah. So it's going to be a daunting task, you know, but at the end of the day, good for him. I'm happy to see him. It was a nice little surprise. It was really good to see Shibata mm-hmm. too. He looked good. And, um, you know, the G1 just continues to build up next. The seventh match of the night, the junior heavyweight championship 
was defended. Dragon Lee defends against Will Ospreay, and Will Ospreay wins to become the new junior heavyweight champion of the world after a super os cutter right into a Stormbreaker, which I think is the same finish, more or less, from his match with Shingo Takagi in the Battle of the Super Juniors final. And he gets the one, two, three, Mm -hmm. new champion. And post-match, he said that he's going to uh, go to... I was about to call it Super Showdown. That he's going to go to the, <laughs> I'm going to yeah, Saudi. He's going to go to the Melbourne show to defend against Robbie Eagles in his first title defense. He also, um, in his post-press conference, uh, challenges New Japan to let him in the G1 climax as well. Um, basically, him. you know, of course, that's yeah. the theme of the night. Basically confirming that Will Ospreay will be in the G1 Climax, which is awesome. It's also unheard of. I can't believe this guy is, you know, it's not, there is precedent in juniors going from the best of super juniors to the G1. um, But I don't know that anybody works as hard as Ospreay in every match. It's crazy. So this one feels a little crazier than any other It's crazy that Shingo and Ospreay are going from the, uh, the best of the super juniors right into the G1 within a month. I think it's it, it's a great business decision. Um, Shingo and Osprey, their match was so good that it definitely got... I think the match had the ability to turn people's heads um, into watching these two guys if they hadn't already, specifically Shingo, um, but also the junior division. So even if these two guys, you know what I mean, aren't going to necessarily win it, uh, you have two juniors showing that they can hang with heavyweights. So kayfabe wise it only makes them look stronger and you put more eyes on the junior division in new japan which is always a good thing the the biggest fucking takeaway from this match is will osprey flipping and landing on his feet every fucking Mm -hmm. two minutes this guy no matter what the move was done to him he landed on his feet it was insane you could feel a dragon leaves like in storyline the desperation that just kept mounting Mm -hmm. and mounting and he, he has him dead to rights on the apron. You go up and over. Rana to the floor. Doesn't matter. Lands on his feet. Goddamn insanity. It looked like someone showed Will Ospreay the spot of Ricochet flipping, <laughs> you know, in front of the yeah. Teen Dream in NXT. And Ospreay said, hold my beer right before he walked out through Gorilla. Best spot of the match, which was the that, that double foot stomp into the, you know, into Osprey, who's hanging in the tree yeah. of woe position, like on, on the, the outside side, apron. The Basically the spot of the night that absolutely should have botched mm-hmm. that no one would have bat an eye if it botched a little and it didn't at all. It looked yep. incredible. Looked great. Lee's uh, dragon Lee was on fire. He had some amazing, his knees, man. You know, a lot of guys have knee attacks in their, in their uh, arsenal these days, but dragon Lee specifically on this night, was laying into Osprey. Osprey has that uh, that fair skin that you instantly see welts on him anytime <laughs> yeah, he gets hit sweet, hard enough. Yeah, that sweet Sheamus skin. <laughs> and it always makes the finish of the match just feel that much stronger when Osprey comes out yeah. on top and he's just battered and bruised. Uh, the match had some awesome near falls. I had a great time, and I thought this was going to be match of the night for me. It very well could mm-hmm. have been. I gave it a 4.5. It might even be a 4.75. It was a fantastic match. I, I gave this a 4.75, and I think this is my match of the night, mm-hmm. honestly. Nice. It was, a, it was another, you know, it, it goes without saying because New Japan has been putting over Osprey hard for a couple yeah. of years now. But this in particular felt like another very strong put over for Osprey. He he wins the best of super juniors in a fantastic match with Shingo. He says that he's uh, bought a place in Japan. He's you know he's a new Japan lifer at this point, according to him. And he goes straight from that to beating Dragon Lee pretty pretty mm-hmm. clean. Um, while the finish while the finish was you know the same sequence of moves that it was with Shingo, um, he definitely didn't have as hard as a battle with, as he did with Shingo. And that's nothing to say. That's not that, that says nothing more than you know Osprey is being put over right now and he's being built for something big. I think he's going to have a huge G1 climax. I agree. At the very least, he's going to give a lot of guys their best match of the tournament. Mm -hmm. Even if he doesn't rack up a lot of wins like right away. Cause I think that would be a mistake. If he just, you know, burns through the field and goes, (laughs) just has a perfect G1. I think that would be a huge mistake since he did win best of the super juniors and he did just get put over huge by dragon Lee. So right. 
you can have him face some adversity here. And I think that would be a good rank. And he's a big name uh, in kayfabe for people to beat. So, you know, when you need to give a guy like Juice Robinson, who I think is going to have a huge G1 as well, um, when you need to give him a, a, na- a win over a big name, Osprey's your man while also just making the match yeah. balls to the wall awesome, you know. So he'll be, he'll be a great addition to that G1 Climax. Oh, yeah. The eighth match of the evening was the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Kota Ibushi defends against Tetsuya Naito in what was my personal match of the night. Uh, they kill yeah. each other in this match. It's, it's gotten a little bit of mixed reviews purely based on um, people being, I, I guess, a little squeamish could be the word. Um, I, I tend to lean on the side of if neither guy got hurt, then, you know, they know what they're doing and they told a story out there. The pacing was absolutely awesome. Um, the match ends with Tetsuya Naito hitting the Destino, I believe the second one of the match, after focusing the neck of uh, Kota Ibushi throughout the entire match. And not only does Tetsuya win the title, he stands on Ibushi's oh, neck yeah. um, with a foot by the end of it and raises the title, and that's your last image. Not very uh, tranquilo from Tetsuya I thought there was, uh, there was some great mirroring to the a match immediately before the junior heavyweight title match was rooted in like respect. You know, they have, mm-hmm. they adhere to the code of honor at the start and <laughs> dragon leap yeah. the belts on Will Ospreay at the end. And in this match, Tetsuya Naito spits on Ibushi and stands mm-hmm. on him after he destroys and annihilates his neck. And that's amazing. I thought it was great. I thought it also, you know, to your point, it contrasted with the last match in pacing in that both matches, the pace was Mm -hmm. awesome, but they had wildly different paces. Um, This match, while it it did go spot to spot, every spot felt earned. It felt like it was, uh, you know, all leading up to the finish. It felt like part of the story. Um, And it never, you know what I mean? But that isn't to say that it had to go balls to the wall the whole time. It didn't have to go fast. And, they slowly, not slowly, but they just perfectly timed every spot. And it went, you know, from big moment to big moment until the final moment. And it left you on the edge of the seat the whole time. This match tells me the biggest thing. Uh, the, the biggest thing I take away from this match is that Kota Ibushi is about to have, and I know I just said it three times about other guys, but possibly the biggest G1 in that he might be winning. I, I would say he's winning. He's my prediction anyway. He's my prediction, too, so we have Great. nothing to Perfect. argue about coming in the next content. month. <laughs> um, Tune in for the next six episodes of Rob and Andrew Green. is what this match amounts to. Yeah. So do you, you know, how do you feel? Because I, a lot of people, you know, whether it be on Reddit or, or Instagram or wherever, then the wrestling community, I've seen a lot of people a little on the edge about this match, saying that some of the spots felt unnecessary, that... Uh, you know, you you have people for whatever reason constantly coming after New Japan as just doing harsh spots for the sake of it, and I I didn't get that vibe from this. No, I didn't either because there's a precedent for these two targeting each other's necks. It's pretty much been right. the storyline for the past year and a half every time they wrestle. So this amounts to basically a huge payoff, and this might come across as I don't know. Um, cynical that might not be the right mm-hmm. word but i if these two guys agree to go out there and do it i don't care honestly i'm not gonna sit and judge the morality of next spots mm-hmm. especially when there was only one spot that i think was fucked up and it was an accident yeah and it didn't yeah, even hit his neck he fucked up his face like he might have a sprain in his neck from just mm-hmm. the weight and his eye was fucked at the finish but Ultimately, I don't have a problem with it. No. Yeah, you know, what we've seen from this show, from AEW's Double or Nothing, from, you know, a lot of the outside of WWE shows in the past few years that has proved to us, I feel like these shows continue to prove to us that violence, a certain element of violence is necessary in pro wrestling to be able to tell some of these stories. When you, when you have two guys who you know, absolutely hate each other. And that's what we see is Tetsuya Naito and Kota Ibushi absolutely hate mm-hmm. each other. When you have two guys that are building that story, it doesn't make sense for these, te- these guys to go in there and a wrestle a, you know, mat-based yeah. submission match. It makes sense for them to 
try to hurt it each def- other, especially it when you have like they were trying to hurt each other, which is amazing. Especially when you have Naito um, chasing, you know what I mean, Ibushi. You have a guy like Naito who will do anything to get, you know, his victory, to get what mm-hmm. he needs, and th- that precedent has been set. I feel like if it, you know, for for somebody who's only a WWE fan, if you put Randy Orton in that spot, you know, for a guy that will do anything if he really wants something that bad. And that's Tetsuya Naito here. He knows that Ibushi is on a roll, that he, you know, Ibushi's having the best year of his career. And so it did feel like Naito had to take it to the next level and he wanted to take it to the next level. I thought it I think so too. And like you said, it was a spot fest with purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh, mm-hmm. con- It was conscious of the spots and the spots built on one another. And it never deviated from the spots that it was doing. It didn't say, okay, now we're going to do this. Now we're going to do that. No, it was, I'm going to destroy your neck. Here are a series of ways I am going to do that. It was a great time. Um, I I gave it 4.75 as my final rating. Uh, I almost gave it a five. I loved the hell out of this match. And like I said, it's my match of the night. I'm going to give it a four and a half. And uh, I, I just don't want to overblow my ratings, if that makes sense. I'm like, <laughs> five stars, five stars. Like, We're trying to not start off on w- the level that Dave Meltzer is right now, which is exactly why I didn't <laughs> give it five stars and why I gave some of the matches down there so low. Because I think we, we are going to set a precedent of earning a five-star rating. That being said, I, you know, 4.5, 4.75, 4. it was yeah, great match. Sure. Your main event... For the IWGP Heavyweight Championship of the World, the champion, Kazuchika Okada, against Chris, the Painmaker, Jericho. Rainmaker versus Painmaker, 2019. (laughs) So they say. So they say. (laughs) So Jericho says, with his face paint and his jacket and the whole thing, it's it's something. (laughs) I mean... We got the beautiful quote, happy championship, happy bitch, championship. out of Chris Jericho. <laughs> so that being said, I gave this five stars. <laughs> That's all um, I needed This was you. my, it, it's actually six stars. I gave it my six stars already. I we broke got my em. scale because Jericho said happy championship, <laughs> We're bitch. going there. You thought wrong. Oh, this match. What, what is there to say? Okay. Uh, it, so it starts, it, it, it starts... I don't even know if I can say starts because it felt like it went on the stretch of Chris Jericho just kicking Kazuchika Okada's ass yeah. Okada for what felt like it felt like an eternity of Okada just getting his shit kicked in by Chris Jericho. Um, and it was slow. It, you know, it, it, instead of how we said uh, Ibushi and Naito, you know, seamlessly went spot to spot yeah. this felt like Jericho dragging Okada to another mm-hmm. spot and doing that spot and then doing the same thing. And it was it slow, was man. Paint by the numbers, New Japan, Chris Jericho in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Not very enjoyable. Everyone seemed to be going through the motions, like you said. And Okada never once steps on the gas in all like 23 minutes that this goes. We couldn't... Uh... The biggest story for us is we couldn't get past Jericho's <laughs> shitty little band-aid on his elbow. <laughs> yeah. This, this band-aid uh, is the last this, man standing. This band-aid it... <laughs> is stronger than Johnny Gargano on TakeOver. <laughs> the Iron Man of New Japan Pro Wrestling <laughs> was this tiny little band-aid on Jericho's elbow <laughs> that, that looked like it was covering up a little scrape that he got by tripping on the <laughs> ground when he's drawing with chalk on the sidewalk Who i don't know fucking puts man. on a band-aid <laughs> <laughs> and it, it is something to say that if the match isn't uh living up to any you know any sort of potential that it could have had we do turn to things right. like this perhaps the band-aid isn't as noticeable if the match actually sped up but it just didn't man it, it went spot to spot next thing you know you have jericho lock and okada in the walls um he had him in there for an eternity it just it was it was crazy, man, and it felt like it felt that the problem is it felt like it was leading to that O'Connor mm-hmm. spurt that we know so well that really takes his matches from you know from good to great. It never and came. It never got there. Instead, Okada slaps him in my least favorite roll up in the game, 
he he grabs the two legs <laughs> he pins his legs down and and pins his arms down and we get the three and the match is over yep the most notable thing to come out of this match, though, uh, is what happened afterwards. Jericho continues the attack on Okada. Um, Tanahashi gets involved finally. We were getting, you know, we were getting a little anxious about <laughs> Tanahashi watching all of this. <laughs> he, from he took his side. time. But to their credit, he gets involved, um, setting up, I guess, potentially a feud between Tana and Jericho. And most notably, the, the night does not end with any babyface farewell or any final promo which then led to the japanese crowd Mm -hmm. booing and uh i think it's been said i I remember a quote from somebody saying that uh you know japan is harder to get heat than it is to even get um to to Mm -hmm. be a face uh japan's way of reacting to you is silence if they don't like you unless you're you know very much a heel unless you're a jay white uh and so for them to outright boo at the end of the night to show their displeasure was mm-hmm. shocking, to say the least. But also, you know, showed that New Japan tried something. You can debate on if it, um, if it was just kayfabe heel heat or not, but the crowd wasn't very happy going home. I think that when you combine the limp dick roll-up with mm-hmm. the no-face promo at the end of the show then overall it leaves a bad mm-hmm. taste in your mouth. So if the match was better and the finish was better, you can get away with either doing the promo and having Jericho interrupt it or not doing the promo at all. But the yeah. two together, it's just, it sucks. Yeah. I have a, I have a lot more to say about this on our three bigger takeaways from the show. So I won't, I won't give it all away, but I, I do think that, the match just didn't I don't want to say it didn't live up to the potential that it could have had because we didn't expect a lot. Um, and I mean that in the best way. I wasn't going in there looking for a five star barn burner. But I do think that if you're booking this match, you book Tetsuya Naito and Ibushi or you book the juniors title yeah. match as the main event. If you know that you're going to have this dusty finish, then why not? You know, it's, it's very unlike New Japan to put this at the end. And that's what was the most shocking part of it. Yeah, I mean, you have that half-assed argument that it's the title, so it should main event, but the Intercontinental title is, uh, it's prestigious. So you can put it yeah, in and there's there. precedent yeah. for it. There's precedent for the Intercontinental title main eventing, and I do, and I agree with you, you know, my reaction right away last night was to say that the IC title should have main evented, and I think it was you that brought up, or even the junior title, and, you know, after sleeping on it, I think that the best decision would have been to close with the yeah. junior title. You come off of the the heat that um, that Shingo and Osprey built at the best of Super Juniors final, and then you go right into main eventing with the title. That would have been awesome. It would have been a strike while the iron is hot type of moment. Mm-hmm. Instead, we got a bit of a wet wet napkin of a finish, and uh, I gave the match a three point five. Uh, I I don't think I'm being too generous because I you know it did have the spots in there. It's not. It wasn't the worst thing ever, but it was slow. Um, and you know, it, it's definitely the the worst match of Jericho's run outside of WWE. Yeah, I gave it three and a quarter. Pretty pretty terrible. Uh, but but the thing is, New Japan has conditioned people to expect that five star classic. And when you mm-hmm. and this just is an okay match with a bad finish. Yeah, and at the end, you're yeah. just a little put off by the whole thing. Again, if you put the match at you know the third to last spot, you build into the last two matches. No one complains about it, and we move on. But it closed the show, and that's yep. what it is. All right, that's the breakdown of the show. Uh, we have now we're gonna you know go into our big three takeaways from Dominion or two or one, whatever it is, um, because the show overall, like we said, it was weird. Uh, we kept bouncing around from you know anywhere between four and to five stars right back down to two to one star. Uh, so the show's weird, but you know, it was significant. Dominion's one of the biggest shows of the year. So Rob, um, I don't know. What do you want to do? You want to do three or you want to do just like one big um, takeaway? Do two. Call it a fair. Do two. Story. All right. Perfect. Uh, then I'll give you this. I'll give you one and then we'll bounce right. to you. Okay. My uh, second biggest takeaway of the night is that the new Japan tag division uh, needs revamping, and they don't need to look to outside help for that. I think that New Japan has a lot of talent, and I just and by that I mean pure mm-hmm. numbers. And so I think that New Japan could benefit greatly from 
um, A, at this point, maybe even merging the junior and the heavyweight tag belts, but that probably won't happen. But if I'm being more... If I'm being more realistic, as far as the heavyweight tag division goes, it's just using more guys and even taking a page out of um, other companies' books and, and being not being afraid to take two singles guys and give them a run at a tag match and at the tag titles. Um, they do it with Evil and Sonata often. And so I don't know why we can't see more of, you know, Sabre and Suzuki teaming up. Um, you know, you take Juice and Tana, if they've got nothing going on, you take Juice and Tanahashi and let them team up for a minute. Basically, they they have to do it or their tag division is going to continue, in my in my opinion, to feel stale despite the fact that they have really good guys wrestling. Yeah, it's, it's um, a you can only tough re- spot that they're in because they don't care about tag team wrestling at all. Yeah, and it's, you know, they, they've suffered since uh, the Young Bucks left a little bit. Um, the Bucks are great, obviously, and they, they know how to... They know how to take their match, and despite you know whether or not management is giving them them enough attention or not, they know how to take their match and make yeah. it a big deal. Um, and like we said, everybody in that in that God versus Evil and Sonata match uh, knows how to work. They're good at their job, but it just needs a little more importance. And I think the easiest way to do that is throwing some fresh faces in there. So, I think New Japan as a whole, if this this show will be able to you know feel more complete, it'll flow a little bit better if they just put a little more time into their tag division. I agree. So that's your main takeaway. Go ahead. Or one of your two main. That's my second that, okay. takeaway. <laughs> that's my main takeaway on this rather <laughs> crazy show. It was uneventful. So go All ahead. Right. Give well, me your, my, uh, at least your okay, second my biggest takeaway. My second biggest takeaway is that they are really leaning in to the North American expansion. You know, mm-hmm. guys are appealing to American fans, putting Will Ospreay in a prime spot. I mean, I know he's fucking British. But he still greatly appeals right. to North American fans. And John Moxley being in the uh the G one climax, all these th- and Chris Jericho main eventing the Dominion. I mean, all these things are leaning towards appealing to North American fans. And mm-hmm. I don't know how well it's going. I almost want them to lean more into their strengths rather than Mm -hmm. digging up Chris Jericho. And we love Chris Jericho, but we can't tell from this episode, but we love Chris Jericho, Jericho, but he just keeps shooting angles with all the top guys and co-main eventing every big show or main eventing every big show. And it's getting a little exhausting. And it's a weird time to do it Uh, with AEW you know, basically taking the world by storm, especially on the North American side of things, it does feel like the time to steer away from there a little bit. Not that you have to abandon it, but to continue to focus on your strengths, there's always going to be fans in North America that will watch, even if you focus on the Japanese product. So to try and dip into North American right now, while AEW is taking that, you know, that side of the world by storm, it is a little peculiar. And they're doing the uh, first G1 show in America. Which is a huge deal. Yeah, and then awkwardly, like, taking a five-day break to get back to Japan and get everything restarted. <laughs> My main takeaway. We, as wrestling fans, or, you know, even in the business, um, the people who own the businesses, with the surge of independent wrestling that is happening, with the surge of wrestling outside of the WWE that we are seeing... I think that everyone needs to be able to accept that there are separate canons through different companies. Um, in the past decade or so, independent wrestling has sort of benefited by guys jumping around from different shows to different shows, which is cool. Um, seeing your favorite guy on in Japan and then, you know, two weeks later, seeing them in America mm-hmm. is awesome. But what would can be the death of independent wrestling and people in in different companies working together is if we're going to see more of one company wanting their guys to be super protected in the other company. And so this is, in my opinion, what we saw uh, in the main event. AEW is awesome. And we're, and I'm super excited for it. Everybody's super excited for it, but we have already seen now um, Chris Jericho obviously be protected in that main event more than he was before. Uh, you mentioned it yourself that there has to be some kind of collusion between the two mm-hmm. uh, shows. It there, whether it's more than they're letting on or not, there's obviously some back and forth, and there's no way that they 
book Okada getting his ass kicked by Jericho if, in my opinion, if Jericho's not in AEW. We saw Jericho go toe-to-toe with Kenny when Kenny was in New Japan, and Kenny would win clean. And because Ken- because Jericho has a world title match coming up in AEW, they felt the need to give Okada the roll-up and kind of get his ass kicked for the whole time. And I got to say, I don't think it's necessary. I think we can accept different worlds, in my opinion. We can accept that Jericho in this company um, loses to Okada, but is still a big name in AEW, and vice versa. If Okada shows up to AEW and faces Kenny Omega, we can accept that Kenny's going to win that. It's a, it's a double-edged sword, because in a vacuum, I want to agree with you, but but mm-hmm. when the same fans are watching these products and largely they're portraying the same role, it's hard to distance yourself from what you're seeing. If, if mm-hmm. just now Chris Jericho loses clean, a part of you is going to, you know, pontificate that, oh, Adam, Adam Page has got this. He, he's a loser. Right. The idea is just to make the match good enough where mm-hmm. you can take the loss and still get out of town okay. And I think, I don't know if Okada didn't feel like Chris Jericho could hang with him or Chris Jericho didn't want to by like risking anything crazy. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like, he goes, say they go like 40 minutes and there's some lulls and botches and it doesn't come out great. Then Chris Jericho looks even worse. Right. I, I agree with you. Um, that being said, you know, like you said, you have to you have to at least work the match. You have to let these guys go back and forth. And what I don't want to see and what will hinder anybody is if we see companies holding other companies back um, by not letting their their guys shine and just letting the two guys go to work. Right. Uh, you always have, in my opinion, you always have if you need something to to if you need a story, if you need a reason why this guy's losing, then you always have home field advantage. <laughs> I, I will totally suspend yeah. my disbelief as a wrestling fan and believe that in Japan, at New Japan, Okada will beat Jericho 100 out of 100 times. And if Jericho wants to cut a promo saying right after saying if Okada met him on North American turf that Jericho would win, then I'd fucking believe that too. Um, but we don't have to have dusty finishes to keep that going. Along with that, it I'm going to say that... Uh, it, it, it hurts me to say, but as bad as Okada versus Y2J was, uh, Tanahashi versus Jericho will be worse. 100%. And, and that's a bummer. That's a bummer that we're going to that now because those are two mm-hmm. of the greats. So that's my main takeaway. <laughs> that, that's, that, that match isn't going to be good. Uh, well, yeah, that, that's a side takeaway. My yeah, main takeaway you. is that we are now, we're definitely now going to see a lot more of companies you know, wanting to protect their guys. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be a workaround. My main takeaway is that the G1 is going to be a renegade classic. All these (laughs) weird faces coming out of the woodwork saying they're going to be in the G1. It's like a rogues gallery of crazy motherfuckers, all of them trying to prove something. Many of them in their first ever G1. And it just looks like it's going to be batshit insanity. And I'm all for it. It's going to be a great month of wrestling. We're going to see a lot of matches that are dream matches. We're going to see a lot of matches that we didn't know are dream matches that are that we're going to realize were dream matches. It, it I, I think we're both in agreement that this is going to be that this has the potential to be the best G1 climax. It of has all time. the potential to be the best one I've ever watched for sure. So we wrapped up Dominion in a nice little bow as much as we could that show. Um, we're running out of time on the show. I want to give Super Showdown justice. Mm. Maybe isn't the word. I don't think it deserves justice, no. but I do want. But I do at least want to hit some hot points of it. I want Rob for you to give me your very blunt and just like straight up opinion of WWE Super Showdown in Jeddah, okay. Saudi Arabia. WWE Super Showdown is the latest reason to stop watching WWE in a long series <laughs> of reasons to stop watching WWE. 
many of which predate our first birthdays. Jesus. But but this was a particularly fucking dreadful low point in this <laughs> in this company's uh, canonical history. It's the most cynical wrestling show since the last Saudi Arabian show. And <laughs> but this one is very special because this one has the distinction of being main evented by the seventh most anticipated dream match of nineteen ninety eight. I think if I can wrap it up in one word or one sentence, it's that this show is so bad that if I erase the worst match of the night, which is the main event, which is Goldberg versus Undertaker, and if I decide I don't want to mention that match for several reasons, if I want to give it a break because they're old fuckers who are just making money and they don't really care and Goldberg was mm-hmm. concussed, if I want to not talk about that match, this is still the worst show I've ever watched in wrestling <laughs> history. <laughs> it was fucking awful. So and Triple H versus Randy Orton, as you told me before we went on, is the longest match of the weekend. That's right. 25 minutes. That, that should not be legal. It was longer than Triple H versus uh, Dave Batista, Which felt like <laughs> three years. It was shocking. <laughs> the, the show was... It was so bad, man. And, you know, there's so much to say about this show. We don't we're we're not even giving it ratings. We're not breaking it down match to match. And honest to God, I didn't want to watch the show. The show (laughs) represents (laughs) really, though, the show, the show represents uh, the company's corporate greed of just caring about money more than anything. They don't give a shit about, you know, the product and if it's worth anything. The crowd, uh, was into it but they, they were, were also notably into into they were almost <laughs> they were almost too into it they were notably into guys like randy orton triple h goldberg this Undertaker, is awesome right away <laughs> i couldn't stop and... laughing i just i don't know why i'm glad they enjoyed it <laughs> but it was so bad <laughs> the, i don't think the show had you know we sat here and we said let's see my worst rating of njpw dominion yeah. was a two i gave suzuki and saber versus yoshihashi and liger a two and i don't know that there were more than two matches on this card much further mm-hmm. than that I'll, I'll say dolph ziggler versus kofi know how to work and they had an okay match but they still did the fucking thing <laughs> where the heel looks like the baby yeah. face by the end of it kofi kingston of all people straight up cheats yeah. And Dolph the Ziggler, the, and wins. The, the great American hero, demands that he, Kofi Kingston fight him in the cage so that no outside <laughs> interference can impact the match. Like, who, who's writing this <laughs> shit? Who, how do you not understand the problem in that? But hey, but hey, the, the, there'll be people on Reddit that's like, well, sometimes he'll do good things and sometimes face do bad things. It just, it, it doesn't make any sense. You have... So they they worked fine until the finish. You have Andrade and Finn. They know what they're doing. It's fine. So you have a couple matches that are over two stars. Right. But I don't think there were many. I think everything else on that card might have been two or Did under. Did you see Finn Balor post on, I guess it was Twitter, like, um, the Finn, the Balor Club is for everyone, like, gay, gay pride mm-hmm. in Saudi Arabia. But, like, yeah. why did he go to the show? Yeah, I don't – that – it's true. I don't know why a lot of these guys do go to the show. I don't even know why Randy Orton oh, goes to the show. Randy Orton says <laughs> that he, that he, that he, you know, he complains that Goldberg's getting paid yeah. so much. How the fuck did Orton go? Like, why did why did any of these guys go? I have I have a serious moral problem with this show, given that uh, a few of our favorites are literally not allowed mm-hmm. in it. You and I are both marks for guys like Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, uh, Alistair Black for that reason. And all three of those guys were told specifically by the Saudi government, yeah. no. You know, like, we do not want you. You're not allowed. And I don't, I don't know how we can continue to strongly support a company that, that just throws their guys under the bus. It says, well, I'm sorry. They, didn't you they fly go. Charlotte? Uh, not Charlotte. They flew uh, Alexa Bliss and Natalia, Natalia. out to Saudi just to... Yeah, the report was that they were they 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 basically went and like a, you know how when you're a kid you bring your best friend to ask exactly. your mom if your friend can yeah. spend the night <laughs> so that, that they're there. Zero they like, success hey. rate, by the way. They said, "Hey, we have we have our girls here, <laughs> and they came. Do you think they could wrestle?" And Saudi said, "No." Happy championship. And WWE bitch. said, 
And WWE took it on the chin and fucking wrestled and got their payday. And and the problem, the biggest problem of all this is that for the next five years, this is going to happen. For the next five years, twice a year, we are going to have to cut Sami Zayn, eight cut years. Kevin Owens, cut Aleister Black. Eight, yeah, is it eight? Ten-year deal. Shh, <laughs> fuck me, dude. For the next eight years. Eight years of, you know, some of the best guys in that company are just going to get dropped. They're going to have no angles for a month. All momentum of Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, all these guys will have no momentum out of nowhere because they can't go. The women, they can't go. And so for, for two shows a year for the next eight years, they're going to stretch her in. They're going to wheel in two legends, two old fucks to have a main event. And the show will continue to not get any better because they're not even going to wheel in new old fucks it's going to be just older fucks (laughs) of these fucks in the fuck pool of fuckville and that that is a review (laughs) (laughs) all right uh well i feel better getting that off my chest all right that's that that's a review that's uh super showdown that's dominion and um we'll be back probably in the next few weeks here with another episode and you know we'll we'll cover the next big thing in wrestling yay